Welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez. A trip of music discovery. Jamie is picking people he thinks you'll really like. Musicians, artists, producers, and everyone involved in the world of music. Here's your host, Jamie Rodriguez. What is up, J-Rod Concerts family? How is everybody doing? Jamie Rodriguez here, your host of this episode and every episode of J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. How y'all doing today? Before we get to today's magnificent guest, I want to welcome a, uh, you know, a new wave of listeners that have been joining us in recent weeks. Thank you so much uh, for being part of the family. You know, we're all about uh, the world of music, up-and-coming artists, current hit makers, musical legends, here for you. Here to provide some good chats. You can find out more about us at jrodconcertsmedia.com. Now, today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, we first made him uh, in late April. He was just a calming, beautiful soul. Uh, and this is before we even saw him sing. His name is Scott T. Smith. We met him at the Bluebird Music Festival in Boulder, Colorado, where he rocked the audience there at the auditorium with a soaring, beautiful set of music. But it was his light, his persona, his empathy that really drew us to, to him as a person. And we're so thrilled to have him on the show. Um, Scott is super, super, super talented. He suffered from some bad timing with the pandemic. He was one of those artists that, you know, his life's work. He released uh, his EP, Wanted Man, just at the beginning of 2020. So he, you know, not able to reap uh, the, the, um, the benefits of that beautiful album because of obvious reasons. Uh, but he's making a comeback now. Uh, you know, he's playing in venues all over the country. Uh, critically renowned name now, respected in the folk and Americana music community. So we're thrilled to have Scott. We sh we talk a lot about, uh, you know, what that timing meant for him in this episode. We talk about uh, adversity. We talk about the environment. So buckle up because this is a really fascinating and thought-provoking conversation. Uh, so we welcome you. And this is Scott uh, T. Smith. Make sure you check out Wanted Man wherever you stream your music. And let's get on with it. Thanks for joining J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. How are you? T. Smith, man. What a voice. What a soul. What a vibe. What a vibe you are, man, all the time. <laughs> well, I was just a, a vibe with coffee on my shirt not too long ago. I thought I'd come outside, though. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful look, day. Look, look what at, I'm wearing. I drink my beer at Robert's. There you go. <laughs> so for my audio audience, our, our guest here, Scott T. Smith, is wearing a retro hat out of a staple here in Nashville for cool cats like him. So love it. Gotta Love drink it. your beer. Gotta Ab drink your cold beer. Absolutely. Absolutely, Scott. You know, I was thinking about you because I was reading about you and I remember when we met in Colorado, Scott, thinking yeah. how, how healthy you seemed. Good vibes, rested. Oh man. And all of all of that. So I, I thought you would have perspective on this. When you when you read about rock stars, Scott, you know, and the excess yeah. of the past, like guys would go on tour, they're you know, banging everything they need, they're staying up all yeah. night. You read yeah. about the legendary parody parties of like Led Zeppelin, the Who, all that stuff. Can you imagine how a lead singer would get through that? All like in 2022, it's not possible, right? Because like you're always no, so it's centered. Not. Dude, I actually talk to people about this a lot. Uh, a lot of young artists. I'm always like, because uh, it's not. It doesn't just go into like what success, what your measure of success is, as well. It also is what is your measure of 
of fun or sustainability. Like I, it all comes back to sustainability for me as somebody who is a novice when it comes to doing it in the professional world as a um, activist for not only climate change, but um, the rewilding of our environment, you know, really helping uh, young youth, disenfranchised youth, yeah. uh, ground and root in, in nature. Like, I feel like that's where a lot of uh, answers that we can't come up with in society are answered is in nature. And so all of this is coming back to if I didn't have the attitude I have towards whatever success is for me as an independent artist and whatever a good time is, <laughs> like I can get down with the best of them. You know, I, I hear yeah. these, uh, I see these shows like the Tales from the Tour Bus, you know, mm. uh, <laughs> with Mike <laughs> Judd. And it's like, man, how many years did they do acid every day of the week? Like, what? <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, I mean, okay, if, if they can do it, you know, but it really, it really is the fact that the world is not the same. Yeah. Um, we, first off, we don't eat the same food, bro. Let's talk about it. We don't, we don't even get to consume the same quality of whatever acid they were doing. Right. Everything is you know, worse, like, huh? It's so like, it is true. And I don't mean to sound like a nihilist or anything. It is true that a lot of this, you know, industry and even the partying around it is corrupted. Like you can't do cocaine every night of the week because mm. eventually you're going to end up with fentanyl and end up dead. Yeah. Like I come from the gut of Appalachia where we saw fentanyl hit home first. And I tell people, man, it's not the same world it was because to be successful, to be sustainably happy, to be rooted and Zen, you have to not only be on top of your business, you know, like when I walk into, let's go back to when we met in Bluebird. When I walked in there, I didn't have a manager with me. I didn't have an A&R rep, you know, making sure I was on time or that I got to where I was going. Like I showed up the CEO, the CFO. Yeah. Marketing the, publicist. I showed, yeah. I showed up as the costume, <laughs> the yeah. costume design, yeah. you know, and I'm just trying to make sure that my band is happy and healthy and they feel, you know, supported. So I, I could not agree more with you. I did a lot of drinking and drugging when I first moved to Louisville because it was my first time really being able to do that. I mm. moved from a small town where that wasn't really a thing where recreational anything was not really even tolerated. And I had my run in with pissing hard earned money away. And I know what that is now. Yeah. yeah. And 100%. so for me, yeah, I look at, I look at where I'm at right now on the, on this zoom call with you. And it's because of my focus. It's because of my healthy lifestyle is because of the sustainability that I have in my personal relationships and in my, you know, relationship with, with what I consume, whether that's trying not to take too many damn flights or whether yeah. that's, you know, not going back for the second double cheeseburger, bro. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's hard sometimes. And it's, it's it amazing. Is. Yeah, man, Scott. And where yes. does, where does this like, 
you know, wholesomeness and focus come from? Like, where does this work ethic come from? Because, you know, right now you're becoming a household name, Scott. The industry is starting to respect your name. You know, Scott T. Smith, people know you, City Winery in Nashville, here and there. You have a great momentum, you know. Is it, you know, so many bands, like, blow up, they fuck up. Is it, like you say to yourself, look, I owe it to my fans. Some kid is going to come to Bluebird and he may fall in love with me, like, you know, come to see my music. I can't go out and yeah. party. Like, I got to get my sleep. Like, where where does, like, all of this, like, organization and focus that you have right now, where does it come from, Scott? I love it. It started when I was in middle school. And I, you start making your first real uh, emotionally invested relationships. And I very yeah. quickly realized I was daddy. Yeah. You know, I was raising my buddies while I was their buddy. I want to make sure the people around me are safe. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure the people around me are happy. And that's just who I am. I want to make sure that the good times keep on rolling. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying we ain't going to have fun. We ain't going to be up till the sun comes up, howling at the moon by a fire, drinking bourbon, laughing. But we're going to be safe. Like, yeah. You know, you try to leave. Well, you and me might have to box, bro. Yeah. <laughs> nobody wants nobody wants to catch these hands. You know, and that's how it started when I was young. And that's rolled into a much healthier way of taking care of people and of realizing also my purpose. And while it is flattering to hear you say household name, um, I I always often tell people I just want to be a multi-generational artist like John mm. Prine was. Mm. I don't, what I'm doing is going to take some time. Yeah. And recently I got to play at the second annual Bill Withers Memorial in my home state, West Virginia. And Bill Withers is from West Virginia. He grew up on a coal mining mountain near Beckley. And so this, uh, this concert was held in Beckley, West Virginia, which is in the Southern part of the state. And I'm standing there on stage and I have this realization that I'm doing what Bill Withers always wanted to do. A lot of people don't know this about him. He always wanted to be a folk artist. Mm. And when he, when he got his break, he got his break later in life in his Mm -hmm. Mm thirties. And when he got his break, they asked him what kind of music he wanted to play. And he said, I want to be like Bob Dylan. Mm. And they told him no. Interesting. Um, you know, and so you'll see him with a, an acoustic guitar on the stool. You know, if you if you go back and Google or YouTube his live performances, the acoustic dreadnought is with him in a lot of his live performance um, because he was a storyteller. That's also my favorite part about Bill Withers. He was a storyteller, and if you listen really closely to his music, you can you can hear the traditional roots, <clears throat> especially if you play it acoustically. Um, I'm sure you can even. Imagine some of the the banjo in uh, a traditional, you know, G runs he was hearing up on the mountain, right? And that bluegrass or that trad music, and it, it bleeds itself music. But for me, man, uh, just to bring it full circle for you, I do it because I realize that being a black man in a uh, in a very unilateral, I'll say it like that uh genre mm. you know there's a lot of pretty pretty white men 
with guitars trying to be singer songwriters mm. and we're starting to make more room for women um which they've always had to fight for their space but really i'm seeing this beautiful thing where we're starting to realize that like not just african americans but storytelling and traditional music is world music yeah it is immigrant it is immigrants music is it not yeah absolutely you know this is like if we really want to talk about it the banjo is an african instrument but you know where did those scales come from you know where where was this all mixing and matching it was it was in the trade routes man it was on the seas it was it was in a different time in the world and so it's really beautiful to see uh diversity in every sense of the word um right coming right. to coming to the to the to the scene absolutely i mean you all see that in nashville man this scene right now in nashville is unlike it's ever been before it's diverse it's very diverse man it's it's more diverse than ever maybe I mean, honestly some people are uncomfortable by it but you know what so be oh, it Oh, for sure because it ain't well you know what i've heard is that they've always been in Nashville, but they've been in the they've been in the living room shows. They've been in the clubs that nobody goes to. Like there's been a diversity of genre in Nashville. Yeah. But these old cats that moved there 30, 40 years ago are like, wow, I cannot believe that there is a neo jazz scene in the hottest district of, of Nashville right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's not just about the black guy with the guitar. Like I love seeing that. Oh, trust me, I, the Black Opry. Have you heard of them? Oh, absolutely. They're wonderful. Mm -hmm. They're on They're on my radar. I'm not on theirs, but they're on my radar. Yeah. Just because I'm just seeing, you know, I'm just watching. Yeah. This, uh, sorry for all the planes flying over, man. We, uh, we out here in the flight pattern in Louisville, Kentucky. They, I they, love it. They stay, they stay buzzing around here. I love it. But you know what I'm saying? The, the, the Black Opry for my audience is, you know, this group of African-American country fans, they didn't feel welcomed in a nutshell with, with Nashville country music. So they started their own thing and it's grown like, and it's like its own thing now, basically. It's very yeah. successful. They've got their, they've got their own artist roster. They are touring across the country and you know, in that they are also becoming advocates and uh, creating space and not just agency, but right. also space right. on some of these largest stages in Nashville. For instance, the, uh, the CMT Awards and the CMT Festival. Uh, like the Black Opry has three or four artists on that bill this year. Right. Exactly. So, I you mean, it's cool, it, man. man. Like I said, I feel like I'm on my own path. You know, I'm not on the Black Opry's uh, radar, but it is nice to know that I'm not alone in this. I mean, I'm, you know, when it comes to Eastern Kentucky and West Virginia, where I'm from, I don't know. I don't know, but of a couple Black singer songs. Yeah. And I don't know of anybody that is pushing the way I am, which is not, un it's like, what I do is not uncommon. I'm just a guy who has insanely signed up for a decade of inching forward you know but i don't see many i don't see many people that look like me doing what i do and that's mm. that's okay no you're that's kicking okay. ass man you're kicking ass and another great thing about you scott you know is your resiliency you know your your ability i think to just kind of like bounce back and just not be deterred i mean like 2020 you've talked about this in a million interviews dude and i think it's but I think it's just worth noting here, like your timing with all your projects, you were going to play South by Southwest, all this shit was happening, pandemic happened. Like you were one of those unlucky few that like the timing just kind of like 
punch you in yeah. the balls. But well, I also yeah, yeah I gave I gave my I gave my decades investment to that mm. project. I was right. a brick mason, working right. day in and day out, um, funding that EP wanted man. You know, like yeah. it didn't it didn't get to see its fruition. You know, it exists. You can go listen to it for anybody listening to this. Go Absolutely. check it out. Oh yeah, totally, man. And but but your ability to, I mean, look where you are now. You're you know you're playing big big festivals, big shows. You know, like I said, like more people are knowing your, knowing your name. So you basically bounce back, man. Like you can we can we can have this conversation from a place of like you you came back, you did the comeback, and that is inspiring. But take us back to like the low point there in 2020. Like like how how bad was it? Were you like shit? What the fuck is happening? I was done. No, I was done. I was done. I had tapped out. You know, first off, we'll talk about what a lot of artists don't vocalize. After my EP release that I sold out at uh, at what was at the time, um, the, the Odeon, now the Whirling Tiger, you know, it was my first time putting bodies in a room based on my name and my merit and my love and my participation in my community you know we had both about 350 in this room i didn't even know that over 100 people even listened to my music and there is a uh, there's a low that you can find after a big show like that um that i wasn't expecting and so i already felt like i had just given away everything i had you know that was january 20th uh 2020 and i was really coming out of that like mountaintop you know uh depression a lot of people don't talk about it's when you're on the top of the mountain and you realize you still have so much work to do um and it's done you know the show is done what do you do with yourself yeah if you don't have a long line of shows and i went to i went to folk alliance that year Mm. early february looking for the next steps and realizing that uh, I was a very tiny tadpole in a very large sea of extremely talented people. And that was the first time that I got to be around black singer-songwriters. Rihanna Giddens was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole crew that spurred off of that, you know, the young female banjo uh, players that came in, in the wake of her efforts. Um, and, you know, the list goes on. And so I come back from Folk Alliance feeling uh, not only uh, invigorated, but also aware of how how long the road would be. And the world shut down. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm just, I kind of go into all of this with not really a way forward, if I'm being honest. Right. Um, I had quit my job as a contractor uh, to go full time on tour for the Wanted Man EP cycle, mm. um, I was just sitting there like everybody else was in their houses. Mm-hmm. And luckily for me, I got a call from my my GC, and he said that he had canceled all his uh, subcontracts, and that him and I were going to finish building the house together. Mm. Um, and over the next, you know, four to five months. I probably quit playing music uh, and was going to become a professional a house builder, building people's dreams, you know, one another, I was going to make people happy. 
right. uh, probably four times. You know, I would quit. I would put it down. It's like when Michael Jack, Michael Jordan uh, retired, you know, put it down. And then a few weeks later, somebody calls you and offers you more money than you've been offered to play in a long time. And you're like, well, I guess I can play one more show. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then, and then the calls kept coming, man. And I, I probably about the third or fourth, you know, Skype show I asked, you know, they were good friends of mine, the Kentucky performing arts center reached out to me and it, it had been some time and i said why why did you call me you know i gotta know why did you call me yeah and they said because we thought about the artist that we knew and we said that if there was anybody that could make someone feel welcome or supported or loved through a computer we thought of you wow and that was when I stopped with the bullshit and I picked up my guitar and I said, okay, we're going to figure this out. Man, isn't that amazing, Scott? And, and like, yeah. man, thank God that like you're here and that you push through because your music is just giving us light, but it makes you also like wonder how many people, how many kids just dropped out and maybe there was like a Mozart in there and we'll just never know because they don't have yeah. the right encouragement or the pandemic fucked them up. Like it, it, yeah. it is such a fickle thing. It is. It is fickle. I think one, my big brother in music and in life, Ben Soli, told me because he experienced the same thing in the first recession, the heaviest, you know, 2008 recession. And he was his career was just blossoming. Same thing. And he didn't stop. You know, he made some really smart decisions to own his own catalog, um, things that pushed him through, things that uh, support him and his family to this day. And he, he looked at me and said, absolutely, you can quit. He said, I watched people that were further along than me or more talented in his mind than he was drop out. Yeah. Because in some weird way, you know, you don't like to think it's a race, but it is, it is a continual uh, output of energy. Right. Call it that. That's why I use buzzwords like sustainable, you know, sustainability, um, your relationships in your in your band have to be sustainable. They have to be more like family than ever before. Right. Right. COVID showed us that. COVID True. showed us that. You can't you can't you can have a band of played paid players or you can have a band of family members that will show up just to make music with you because they love making music with you. Right. Exactly. And that's where really special stuff happens. Man, you have been so thoughtful, Scott. You're—I know you're a busy cat, but let me ask you about environment and sustainability because it's such a big theme in your music. You're one of the people that I know that are most in tune with nature, with Earth, and with everything that's going on. And like things are just like obviously getting worse. Um, yeah. I guess, man. I, I guess for lack of more profound terms, if you will, Scott, are you almost? It, it almost still seems like a losing battle, man. Like, like, like what? Do you what do we do like what is happening when like our government doesn't care you know like what's going on yeah. well you know we see it every week um it really does seem like every other week there's a another uh extreme example of protest when it comes to climate change from the defacing of the mona lisa to right the 
individual lighting themselves on fire, which seems to not getting uh, be getting a, a single minute of air. Right. And that was um, weird, right? Like just a uh, guy and people can Google this who like literally burned himself on fire to protest fire change. And people don't say his name. I, I don't know his name or else I would say it, but you can yeah, Google it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wild. And, uh, you know, let's go back to a month and a half ago when the lead scientist, the chief scientist for NASA of climate change research literally locked himself to Chase Bank because they are owned by a group of, I think it's JP Morgan, maybe not. I might be wrong. I'm not saying they're all evil, but I'm saying they, they all do have a hand in whatever the heck's going on. Right. Um, but he, he, he handcuffed himself to Chase Bank with a group of other scientists, but he was the only one that, that maintained his composure whenever the police uh, threatened them. He mm. stayed handcuffed. And when they gave him his five minutes of airtime, he said, I'm doing this because you are not listening. I'm doing this for my child. I'm doing this for the future of Earth. Um, the research is there. Truth is in front of you, but you refuse to listen. And when I, when I think of it, I think of not the end, but a rebirth, man. Like, if you want to get real, real crazy with it, if you say we just live this way, if we go out with a bang, if we just keep living like it's 1999 mm. uh, and like we don't know any better, mm-hmm. you know, we've got 1,000 some odd days left, like 1,040 some odd days left yeah. before they say that it's irreversible. Mm. Wow. That's not that many days, man. That's not that many days at all. Yeah. And so like, <laughs> but wow. the, my favorite part about all of this is that men and women and everyone in between and everyone that exist on the same plane of existence together, the human being has always thought they've known better. Uh, and so the thing that overwhelms the truth of that is that mother nature always writes what she perceives as wrong. (laughs) So I'm just going to keep on living as close to nature as I can. I'm going to keep on inspiring those to walk in a similar direction on their own path and remember the people who gave me that gift. One of my, my friend's fathers was 100% Cherokee when I was little. We lived on top of this mountain. Mm. And he was the person who gave me my relationship with nature. He would walk us through the woods and teach us how to walk and track. And he would, you know, teach wow. us how delicious and how healing uh, the plants and the, you know, the vegetables and the herbs around us were. Mm. Um, and he also taught us how good it felt to be wild. You know, he was the first person to put me on a motorcycle. I was like 10 years old and he put me on his son's KTM, you know, 100. (laughs) He 
taught me how to work a clutch and and you know that's all that's also a part of it that we are wild creatures just as the bees and the birds and uh man as long as we turn towards them as long as we keep trying to uh remember this uh medicine that lives in the and the earth around us and mm-hmm. let it heal us. And it all, it all works itself out, man. Absolutely. There's going to be some things that burn up. Yeah. But, uh, you know, just look at, look at those forests that burnt to a crisp. They're, uh, they're already regenerating. There's always another day. So well, that's what I cling to. And the good thing is, uh, new day. regardless how many days we have left on this earth, we have a great talent like Scott T. Smith giving us amazing freaking music man people gotta see yeah. you live man because the way you want to do is make it easy the, the way you haunt <laughs> these theaters and these boxes and these souls with your talent and with your voice man that's a purpose that's a gift man and uh, yeah. the fact that you, the fact that we are alive at the time that we can enjoy it at the same time as you're being alive man it's a gift and i'm so 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 glad that we had a chance to connect man and uh and that we're mm-hmm. here that is one of the sweetest things I've heard. So sweet that I wonder, I was like, you bet, I bet you say that to all your songwriters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure as hell don't, man. Sure as hell don't. So dude. you know what I do? You know what I'll do? I'll promise you this. I'll never stop. I'll never stop. And it's because I know what I'm doing is a part of mama making it right. Exactly. Exactly, it eases, it eases the soul, man. It's a hard time to be alive, and it's always been a hard time to be alive. And, and I have a feeling it's just going to keep getting harder. But what do you do when it gets hard? You innovate, you adapt, and you improvise, and you overcome. And instead of overcome, I think it should be, instead of overcoming this, it should be you, you learn how to live alongside it. <laughs> We're not going to overcome this one. But we can, we can create a you know, homogeneous relationship with this craziness exactly. i just hope that the the violence uh leaves i don't want to i don't want i think that's the problem is that we've become too comfortable and we've learned how to live along violence alongside violence but i think that like i said it all writes itself right on brother well scott thank you for today man you too thank man you for having me thank you for your words of encouragement because they Hell are yeah. just gas in the tank I'm going to keep on going. Thank you for your arts, man. Thank you for your art. And we look forward to, you know, catching up with you in Nashville or wherever. But, you know, when next time. Hey, you're inspiring me. I'm going to get on an email train right now and say. Right on, brother. Bring me to Nashville, y'all. Let's do it. Come down to Nashville. Let's do it, man. See you soon, okay? Take care, man. Take care, brother. You've been listening to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez.